Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. Today's warehouse needs to keep inventory moving smoothly and quickly. Meet these challenges with on-demand warehouse labeling from Brother Mobile Solutions. Our mobile and industrial printers will help optimize your operations to achieve the speed, reliability, and durability your warehouse needs. With easy integration for existing warehouse technology, convenient portability, and upfront affordability, Brother Mobile Solutions is at your side when it comes to warehouse labeling. Try one for free today by visiting brothermobilesolutions.com slash newwarehouse or click the link in the show notes. That's brothermobilesolutions.com slash new warehouse to try one for free today. The New Warehouse Podcast hosted by Kevin Lawton is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton bringing you a new episode of The New Warehouse today. Uh, Today, I'm going to be joined by Connor McGinnis. He is a partner at Heartland Ventures, and he's going to join us today to talk a little bit about Heartland, what they do, and also talk to us about his perspective and their perspective on a warehousing and fulfillment space currently. I'm going to talk to us a little bit about the kind of the climate for for VCs out there as in, in regards to the distribution warehousing logistics space and how they're kind of interpreting innovations that are happening now. So Connor is going to give us a little insight on that side of things. So Connor, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Kevin. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. Definitely happy to have you on. Definitely happy to get your your perspective on some of these things. But before we kind of get into that, why don't you kind of give us a a brief overview of Heartland Ventures and, and what it is that you guys do? Sure. Yeah. So we're a venture capital fund, right? Mm-hmm. But we're a little bit different from your your typical funds in that if you think of the the mega funds out of the Bay Area or New York, those folks are comprised of investors that might be like your college endowment mm-hmm. or your your pension plan. I, I point that out because what that means is those big institutions will will stroke a you know twenty million dollar commitment to the fund. And then kind of set it and forget it. They mm-hmm. go away for eight years or whatever it is and, and say, call me when you have my returns. Our investors are very different. Okay. Um, they're very engaged with our model. And the reason is they're all industrial businesses mm-hmm. across the greater heartland. That's what the, the name of the fund is a nod toward Got right? it. our investor okay. base. So clearly that means there are a lot of logistics firms. In fact, mm-hmm. You might say we have exposure to the entire value chain of logistics, even beginning with like those that construct warehouses, because broadly speaking, our investors come from logistics, manufacturing, construction, and even a little bit of real estate. On the logistics side, 
clearly that puts us in a position to hear what's going on in the 3PL world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of the manufacturing relationships we have, it also allows us to understand the greater supply chain challenges of manufacturers. And the way the model works is we spend a lot of time with those operating businesses that are investors in Heartland to understand what their pain points are. And then we invest in technology that will address those pain points. Hmm. Yeah, definitely helps. And it's interesting as well. And I think it's, it's interesting. You touched on the the Heartland side and, you know, how there's just just such a a core there for the logistics and and warehousing space in in America because it's so centralized right in that area. So obviously you guys are, very much involved in in this space and and also hearing from your, your operator side and also the companies that you're investing in as well kind of what's what's going on in the space so as we look at the warehousing and fulfillment space currently what what's most interesting to to heartland and and you what's really kind of piquing your interest as something that's up and coming yeah yeah and and back to your comment on being in the heartland that clearly mm-hmm. so we're in columbus ohio that's our, our headquarters i myself okay. and some other folks are in indianapolis indiana then we have an office in cincinnati as well so if you look at that geography that puts us within proximity to a huge portion of the, the u.s population so that's why you see all these warehouses being stood up in our metro areas yeah. today but to your to your question there's a lot that's interesting. First, clearly the alignment with our investor base because of what I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, just the challenges that they're facing, some that are very macro in nature. So one would be labor, right? Not right. surprising to anybody that works within a warehouse. Yeah. Turnover rates for your typical business are anywhere from 12 to, to 15% per year. This is among kind of your, your typical industrial business so that would include manufacturing and construction. In the warehousing space, it's it's more like 40 to 50%, yeah. right? So that's a real problem, mm-hmm. especially in an environment where, at least historically, tribal knowledge has been an important way that firms, I'm really thinking about 3PLs, are yeah. operating their business. So if you're so dependent on what's inside your warehouse manager and worker's head, and those folks <laughs> are increasingly leaving and being increasingly difficult to replace, that's going to be a a hindrance to growth, right? Yes. And all of that is happening at a time where overall business demand is just increasing in the logistics space based on customer expectations. So Amazon Prime obviously changes everybody's outlook on how soon a package can arrive at their door. That's true for you and I just as consumers, but even businesses that leaks into their expectations as to what they should or how long it should take for a manufacturer to, to deliver their good, right? Mm-hmm. That reshoring, which we do see happening among manufacturers, yeah. which requires a, a more thoughtful and new approach to distribution networks to serve newer manufacturing facilities across the Midwest. Obviously, in this case, these distribution networks would now have to be more localized, yeah. will place even greater demands, we believe, on logistics stakeholders. And if you look across the landscape today, it's something like 20% of warehouse operators 
are are using sophisticated operation. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing my math right, that means eighty percent are are not. Yeah. And, and therefore, as an investor in technology, we see a huge opportunity for really smart founders of warehouse tech to add value to these operations that need it now more than ever. Mm. Interesting. And I, I, you know, I'm very interested in the kind of the labor portion there that you mentioned. I mean, you know, it's something that I think if we look back at, you know, last year at, at Modex, that was like the overwhelming trend. I mean, I think I did like 40 interviews for the podcast at Modex and, you know, almost every single one of them, someone said something about labor and labor being short. And I think, you know, it's interesting to see some of the the tech that's addressing that, but I'm curious what, what tech are you seeing out there that's like kind of trying to tackle these, these labor issues that you mentioned there that's really kind of piquing your interest or, or has, has caught your attention? Yeah, so we've made a couple of investments our, ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'll clearly be biased when, when talking about those. <laughs> no problem. One in particular is is third wave automation. So right. these folks are enabling warehouses to deploy autonomous forklifts. But what's unique about them is they're they're doing it in a way that only requires a, a retrofit. So mm-hmm. obviously there are benefits in terms of a warehouse operation that has sunk some costs into existing capital equipment that is able to transition that equipment to autonomous mm-hmm. uh, capabilities. So instead of needing 10 forklift drivers to operate 10 forklifts, you can have one fleet manager operate 10 third wave forklifts. Right. That's an easy one. Uh-huh. Uh, outside of that on the labor front, we've also invested in something called Fulfilled. So Fulfilled is a digital twin for the warehouse. And an oversimplified way to look at it is because it knows where everything is in real time. Yeah. It can be the engine of direction for warehouse workers or warehouse robots. So in this sense, Kevin, that's kind of a bridge to autonomy. I mentioned earlier, there's a big need Mm-hmm. for robotics, but today 80% of the market has not adopted that. And a large reason for that is expertise. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not necessarily within the organization today, even though they, they want to adopt that technology, they're not in a position to. So fulfilled can be the brain that enables firms to to adopt that. We've you know seen a lot of the things you would have seen at Modex right. in terms of other automation or technology generally addressing labor shortages, anything from, from drones for cycle counting to the Boston dynamic type technologies, right? It's, it's really all over the map. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. And, you know, definitely we've had third wave and and fulfilled on the podcast as well previously. So they're doing very interesting things. And I I think that it's interesting. you, You mentioned there bridging that gap like to automation right so i think like in both both situations with third wave and and fulfilled they they both have this solution that's kind of taking an existing set right and third wave is taking like existing equipment automating it 
and then fulfilled is like you said you know able to create this digital twin that like a person can utilize to, to help them better navigate within the, the warehouse and their solution is incredibly cool i mean it's like google maps in in the warehouse basically right and you know, and then also take that in and use that same engine and apply it to, to automated instances or, or robots, like you said. I think that's really interesting. And I, I think the, the more tech that can help, like, kind of go in between that, between, like, the the manual and the, the, the person to the, the automated robot is, is going to help to, to close that gap of that the 80% that you mentioned in there. So, so really interesting, definitely perspective there and, and kind of insights on, on some solutions that are helping address those issues. So uh, I'm curious from a, a, a VC perspective, right? You know, I was at uh, Manifest recently and, you know, the there's some talk that I'm hearing from people um, that have startups or that are working within the industry that, you know, obviously people all over have been, you know, talking about this recession and the economy slowing down a little bit and, and all these different things. But, you know, no matter what, I mean, our industry is always moving, right? It's always going to be there. It's, it's essential. But there's a lot of talk about, you know, VC money kind of not being as available as previous years when a lot of investment was starting to go into like supply chain logistics. So now that we're in 2023, I mean, what's your kind of take on that perspective? We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. There's there's a correction for sure mm-hmm. in venture markets. Things were getting quite frothy from you know 19, 20, 21 into yeah. dinner, early 22. No question about it. So overall, I think it's probably healthy that there's a, a bit of a correction mm-hmm. in terms of the way that technologists can can look at this. I would say two things. One, those corrections will be more painful for those later in the funding cycle. So a, a startup founded in, in, you know, 16, 17 that established some good traction, a lot of market attention, yeah. and then raised subsequent rounds of capital at high valuations as a result of the progress they've made, but also perhaps because they were raising at a, like I said, frothy time. Yeah. Well, now they go to raise their, their next round, let's say in, in, early 24, late 23, they will have needed, they will need to have accomplished at that point everything that they they said they would be able to when they raised, raised their last round, but maybe in a different way. And that comes to my second point, mm. where at, it, at this point, growth at all costs is, is no longer the goal, right? <laughs> to the extent that it was previously. Yeah. Profitable growth is is the byword. And that should be taken into account 
uh, earlier than it would have been in in the maturation of the business. Founders at Series A today are going to be asked questions about path to profitability that perhaps they weren't asked previously. These are good things for the health of the business and for mm-hmm. getting to real value, which at the end of the day is what Heartland is trying trying to achieve. If you think about kind of our investors' double bottom line, it's to get a great return on their investment yeah. and to get that because they're getting exposure to companies that are helpful to those types of businesses. If a technologist is able to provide value that's real um, and to our to our earlier discussion, adoptable by a segment of the market that has historically struggled with adoption, then that that company will succeed. But now they also need to take into account you know, increasing investor concerns around things like profitability. I don't, I don't think those are unreasonable yeah. demands. And I think in our case, we're lucky to have a lot of founders that are thinking in those terms already. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting perspective. And I think, you know, if you're, you're giving somebody money and asking them to, you know, have a, have a profit, I, I think that's reasonable as well. Um, but, you know, I, I'm curious from that perspective, because, you know, like you said, the you know, 19, 20, 21, I mean, those kind of pandemic years, essentially, like, you know, there was a lot of money coming into supply chain logistics type of tech because there was such a, a spotlight on it, right? Because it was, you know, it became the basically, you know, you know, dinner table talk, like it was actually like in the, the realm of, you know, familiarity with the majority of people, whether they were in the space or, or not, it became such a, a focal point because it was so, so important and that the high, it was highlighted that important. So, I, I mean, I'm curious as a, I'm thinking about this, you know, do you think that in times of, I mean, right now, like you said, there's a, a correction like happening or, or coming, right? I mean, do you think in times of where money is like more readily accessible to these startups versus like times of correction now? I mean, when when do you think more innovation happens? Do you think when there, there's more money available or do you think it's like when it gets a little tighter and companies are kind of like pushed more to to make something happen? Yeah. I would I would separate it from the amount. It, it, this sounds weird coming from an investor, but uh, separate the answer from whether capital is abundant or whether it's mm-hmm. it's not, and place it more in the space of are challenges really impactful in this time. Mm-hmm. That is, you're pointing out during the height of the pandemic, supply chain was a as as an inadequate supply chain or a, a struggling supply chain was impacting everybody. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, business leaders at large corporates, any industry are looking at supply chain closer than they have in the past as a result of that experience. And yeah. to the extent that experience continues because they still feel it, whether or not there is a decrease in the amount of investable capital, it, it almost doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm on the number of folks trying to solve those problems. And like, this is a bit circular, but ultimately like the capital will return to this particular problem set if it remains one of the bigger problems. So maybe the overall pie going into later stage startups is is gonna shrink a bit in 2023. 
that's all well and good. Mm-hmm. If on a relative basis, the attention is still being paid to those trying to conquer the issues present in warehouses and supply chain yeah. more, more generally. And I think we, we both feel that that is the case. And, and it's been validated by the stakeholders we talk to in every industry that the risk they're talking about today at the board level is, is supply chain. Therefore, yeah. the problem is is still there and still getting attention. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's an interesting perspective because I, I think, like you said, the you know you said the inadequate supply chain, and I, I think it's you know it's still even though you know people have tried to put more attention on it and things of like that. I mean, there's still so much, so still so much room for for improvement. I think in in making sure that it's a more you know, resilient. So, you know, we don't run into those same issues that we saw during the pandemic and, and just getting it overall more efficient as well and, and sustainable, I think is, you know, there's still tons and tons of opportunity there. So I think your, your perspective is really, really interesting there. I think that makes, makes a lot of sense. So, so very interesting kind of takes here. And I, I'm curious, you know, as we kind of come to a close here, I mean, you know, as you look at the the landscape and, you know, specifically kind of in the, the distribution fulfillment warehousing side, you know, what do you think is kind of the, the most interesting innovation happening right now in this space? Can I, can I name a few? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. We end up looking at 75 different technologies every month, so it's tough mm-hmm. for me to narrow it down. Oh, wow. Okay. Obviously, I mentioned robotics in the form of third wave and mm-hmm. there are all sorts there. I, I think that's a, a big solution to the labor problem. And it's not really replacing people. It's to do the jobs that people previously did that they're no longer around to do. So that's that's a big subset right there. Then just looking at like different workflows across spaces like 3PL payments. Mm. Big area of of challenge today among 3PLs. So we've seen a number of technologies, one in particular like freight pay, trying to address the fact that billions in transactions are disputed every day. (laughs) So how how do we make this better so that folks are tracking these things and not holding on to cash because they need to or sitting on accounts receivable, mm-hmm. uh, but making things more seamless as financial innovation has occurred that should spread into the logistics space. Another area that gets me excited is we're, we're getting crushed with data in every industry, right? And logistics and warehousing is no different. But how do we equip, especially mid-market players with the capabilities to get value from that data? Yeah, We've looked at a number of technologies, a couple that come to mind, optimal dynamics, swarm engineering that are enabling not just warehousing, but but logistics operators generally to do something with their data. So swarm is more of a just uh, broadly speaking data solution. That is, it w- it's, not nece- it's not only going after logistics, but anywhere where combinatorial problems exists, which is just a fancy way to say just a ton of data and we don't know how to <laughs> how to use it to solve the basic problem. Yeah. Right. So I think they they started by helping General Mills optimize their mix mm. in in cereal plants. But they can bring that to the logistics space to figure out how to 
do route planning or load planning. Optimal Dynamics is another one I mentioned, and, and they're specifically attacking load planning. So how to account for that LTL load in the most efficient manager, taking into account the, the route customer needs, and then planning to, to get a load back in a similarly efficient manner. So I think enabling firms to better use data, enabling firms to address their labor challenge, yeah. and enabling firms to manage their cash and get paid are, are all three that come to mind. Um, as we interact with warehouse operators every day mm-hmm. and understand what they're challenged by, those are the ones that we hear a lot about. And therefore, those are the ones that guide us to founders that are addressing those problems. Mm. Very interesting. And uh, yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting perspective you're, you're bringing here and, and certainly some, some great insights you're giving us in terms of, you know, what's interesting in the innovations. And, you know, obviously, like you said, reviewing 75 different technologies a, a month, I'm sure you, you definitely got a lot to pick from there. So really interesting talking to you, Connor, and I really appreciate you coming on the, the show and, and giving us your your perspective and, and some insight from the, the VC world as well into our space. So if people are interested in learning more about Heartland Ventures, how can they do that? You can reach out to myself, Connor, at heartlandvc.com. So that's C-O-N-O-R at heartlandvc.com. Be happy to, to chat with anybody, especially in the warehousing world, as really that's what we do every day. All right, great. And we'll definitely put that information at the new warehouse.com so people can easily find it. So, Connor, thank you very much for uh, joining me on the show today. You've been listening to the New Warehouse Podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from the new warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for the new warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.